everyone. I'm Ashley McManus, Director of Marketing at Affectiva. Welcome to Affectiva Asks, a human perception AI podcast, where each episode we will interview a thought leader doing cutting-edge work in the AI space. A little bit about us, Affectiva is the pioneer of human perception AI, software that can detect nuanced human emotions, complex cognitive states, behaviors, activities, and interactions. And Affectiva is applying this technology to advance the next generation of multimodal in-cabin sensing. Today's episode features Gabby Zydervelt, Affectiva's Chief Marketing Officer and Head of Product Strategy, interviewing Brian Reamer. Brian is a research scientist at MIT Age Lab and Associate Director of the New England University Transportation Center. Brian is a thought leader in driver safety and the future of mobility. During their interview, he talks to us a bit about his work at MIT, some of the challenges of AI and automotive, and how OEMs and Tier 1s can overcome them. Hello, everyone. This is Gabby Zeidefeld. I'm Affectiva's Chief Marketing Officer and Head of Product Strategy. And I'm delighted to have here with us today Brian Reamer, Research Scientist at MIT. Uh, Brian is also a Strategic Advisor to Affectiva, and I've had the pleasure of working with him for a number of years now, uh, in, especially around our work in automotive. Uh, Brian is a thought leader in driver safety and the future of mobility, and it's uh, wonderful that we have him here today for a conversation on our podcast. So, Brian, welcome. Thank you. Um, please, let's start by having you tell us a bit about your work at MIT, uh, and especially uh, areas of your work that touch on automotive. Sure. I've been looking at really driver behavior and how we behave in cars for a little over 20 years now, and watching evolution of what we touch, what we do, with increasing levels of automation surrounding the driver for nearly two decades. And the team that I have at MIT really spans the gamut from the basics of experimental psychology, human factors, policy, all the way over to really advanced AI, trying to fuse together different disciplines to understand really the future of mobility, how drivers behaving well, optimally, not as effectively as we may want at times, may transform from those with hands on the wheel, foot on the gas pedal on the brake, to long-term becoming riders in a mobility system over the course of decades. So, so Brian, um, as we look at connecting humans more effectively with today's low-tech and then tomorrow's AI-fueled high-tech, what do you think as, think are some of the biggest challenges that the industry must address? What is it that we're working on, should be working on today. So I think one of the hardest things is many of the low-tech solutions that we know can enhance the effectiveness of technology, um, safety, aren't being leveraged to their fullest potential. In the volume velocity of, of information coming forward on a daily basis, we often don't devote the time needed to understand how key technology can help support us, make us safer, and ease the burden of daily life. That means as we bring more AI fuel into the equation and try to personalize technology more, we risk overburdening individuals with just too much more information, people shutting down. By and large, how do we tailor the information to the capabilities of the human to use it and leverage it? Only when the mental model of the design team of a technology really overlaps with the mental model of a user group are we going to have the penetration and utilization of technology we look for? When the designer designs something that's above the user's head, 
Education may need to push the user's capabilities up. If the education's not there, the user may have a hard time getting there themselves. So when we look forward, whether it is in the automotive sphere or the personalized electronic realm, how do we ensure the capabilities to match what we design with the users groups is more effective in the years past? So on that note, is there perhaps an example you can give us of where there are systems that are failing today and what might be ways that we could improve them? So I didn't say that systems are failing. I think the better way to look at it is systems are not being used to their full potential. That's a good point. Yes. So when we look at technologies in the car, such as you know, collision warnings, lane departure warnings, or even you know voice systems, a lot of these technologies are really designed to enhance the experience and improve safety. But yet we don't come equipped with all the skills to leverage them. Voice interactions are a great example. As individuals get more frustrated, whether it's the smartphone or the car, with the system not recognizing them, you can hear the frustration in their voice, and that further decreases the ability to recognize the signal. So the harder it is for us to communicate, the poorer performance in the voice recognition systems, which only amplifies frustration and causes many of us to become less reliant on technologies that can help make life much easier. So in, in the case of this example, is it a matter of us being able to understand that uh, users are getting frustrated and then having the systems adapt to that? Or is it maybe more a matter of designing those systems from the ground up in a way that they're actually not causing frustration? Probably a little of both. Um, so for many of us um, who don't have the technical background to understand how a speech system is built, we don't know that the more we um, communicate frustration in our voice, talk faster, raise our voice, yell at the system in some sense, the less it's capable of understanding us. To others, um, well, there's a group that no matter what happens, when somebody doesn't hear what I'm telling them, we're going to get frustrated. So it is both expanding the repertoire of the technology as well as providing a little more understanding to the user to optimize our ability to leverage these technologies forward. When we think about road fatalities, uh, and even a slight increase we've seen in recent years in road fatalities, driver safety is a critical issue. I know at MIT your team's done a tremendous amount of research in that area. Could you tell us a bit more about some of your recent studies, and especially what some of your findings have been, and how the automotive industry can take these learnings and apply them to future systems. So I think it's important to note that over 1.25 million people globally die in road-related incidents. And that I framed in, in a TEDx talk I gave some time ago, you know, this really in the context of a major undertreated public health crisis. And when we think about road fatalities in particular, um, we often talk about them in the context of human error. You know, 90% of road fatalities are related to some form of human error. In the deep need to understand much more deeply how humans make poor decisions and the need to encourage more strategic behavior over time. 
So in our studies, we're seeing that as we look at individuals and vehicles, we're using smartphones more, as we automate more technologies and vehicles, we're leveraging more smart technologies, looking off the road more frequently. And by and large, humans make some great strategic decisions. But we are often not strategic at really critical points. So the text, the text message comes, the smartphone goes beep, and by the basics of human nature, we feel compelled to look. Well, we never pick up that smartphone by itself because I'm focused on driving in this traffic all around me. But when it goes beep, I feel like I have to look. So how do we begin to support human nature in its most basic form? Suppressing the noise, reducing the currents of text in the car, supporting it through other adaptive features, bringing information through the vehicle systems in and of itself, and by and large, encouraging folks on a moment-to-moment -moment basis to make stronger decisions in how they interact with technology and their prioritization of the main responsibility as a driver, safe navigation. In, in the context of driver safety, we're seeing more and more driver monitoring systems coming to market. And, and certainly that's an area that affective vest technology is uh, being applied to as well. Tell us a bit about um, your, your thoughts on the systems and where they stand today and where you see this area of technology evolving in the future. So the area of driver monitoring is an area I've been working on for the best part of 20 years in some way, shape, or form. Um, and, and I am a, a staunch advocate uh, for standardization of driver monitoring systems really across the industry for the basics of distraction, estimation, and support as well through to, to the levels of automation. But the key here is driver monitoring is the enabling technology that allows us to invest much deeper in helping drivers manage their attentional flow and responsibilities to the road. We used to think for some time that the negative aspects of distraction and attention were all about looking away from the road. And it really, in, in recent years, and some of our work has pointed to, it really also comes to the strategic allocation of attention to the road. So if we don't look up at the road for long enough, we don't acquire the situational information we need to make good decisions. And for a while, we thought looking at the road just briefly allowed us to restore that information. But it doesn't. You've got to look up for a few seconds to acquire the information of what's going on around us. So many times, as drivers naturally, we're so focused on what we want to get done, we don't make the time available to look up. And driver monitoring in particular is that enabling technology that allows us to help drivers manage their attention more effectively over time. Most importantly, as we begin to infuse more and more automation into the vehicle, and drivers are copacetic with allowing their attention to wane to different activities and the manufacturers of these systems really, in some ways, encouraging that because why would you automate if we're not allowed to do other things? Driver monitoring becomes the, the key safety technology that allows us to leverage driver skill in areas where the automation is not going to be strong. Future automotive systems are either going to be highly robotic, no onboard driver, teleoperated most likely, or systems that level, leverage the combined capacity of the driver with that of AI 
to enhance safety beyond the drivers, or AI can do alone in situations that are less predictable. So I think we need to remember, machines are good at some types of decisions. Black and white, keeping the car in the lane, when there are lane markings on the road. Humans, on the other hand, are much better at working in the gray area, driving down a road where there are no lane lines. How do we leverage human expertise with machine expertise? And the driver monitoring piece is the glue that begins to hold that together. So if we enter a future where perhaps there are no drivers anymore and vehicles are fully autonomous, what are your thoughts on the feasibility of that if humans are still so critical in certain types of decision-making? Well, I think one of the misnomers is that driverless means humanless. It doesn't. If we look to the aviation world, although the drone warfare and drones are, in essence, everywhere, um, we look at drones that are often monitored from the ground by more than one individual, sometimes teams of individuals. In When we look to the future of highly automated transport, since we're riding as opposed to driving, we are likely to see a scenario where these systems only make financial sense in specific operating contexts. So that means, you know, in dense urban settings where there are good, where there's good infrastructure, robotic taxis will likely serve us well. However, in the vast majority of the miles traveled for decades to come, if not perhaps even a century to come, humans will maintain control of vehicles for a vast majority of miles traveled. And when I say control, I don't necessarily mean hands on the wheel anymore. I mean that, you know, if the weather and the operating conditions for the automation aren't optimal, it becomes a human decision problem again. And the really hard part of this is that as we drive less as humans, and that is clearly the future, we will develop skills to drive safely, slower or not at all. So in essence, the future of mobility looks much more like a novice driver problem. And we all know that novice drivers aren't necessarily the safest drivers. Shifting gears a little bit right now, when we talked about autonomous vehicles, when we think of the future of more automated and more autonomous vehicles, how can the automotive industry build the trust that's necessary to really accelerate consumer adoption. We all know there's a great level of uh, fear and misinformation out there, uh, skepticism on whether or not people will really accept uh, these type of vehicles on the road. Uh, so building this trust seems like a key element. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think trust is built over time um, and eroded quickly. So I think there's a couple of key points when we think about developing the trust um, and really the future of AI-fueled mobility. First of all, this is an evolution of robots on our roads, not a revolution. It is going to take decades to really transform how we live and move through automation. I'm not saying it's not going to be here sooner in some small areas, but it's not going to impact the vast majority of Americans or the global population very quickly. Okay? It'll take time. For the last few years, we've been fueled by an AI hype cycle that is overpromised and underdelivered. Probably approaching 2020, when a number of vehicle manufacturers had long promised that we would be seeing robo taxis and other AI fueled driving technologies on the roads. And, and again, we as humans are exceptional at 
visualizing the future. We're pretty poor at the timeline to that. So when we look towards developing these systems, we need to level the playing field a little bit and begin to talk about realistic time frames and realistically setting expectations and, and moving expectations to align with the likely technology trajectory. Under-promising and over-delivering is likely to enhance trust more effectively. Second, we need to look at the building blocks of trust in vehicles. And the technologies that fuel this are really here today in advanced driver assistance systems and early generation automated driving systems in the form of partially automated driving. And the experiences we gain with those systems are going to set a, a base level of trust with technology and cars that's going to carry forward into the future of autonomy. And we see in some of our data at MIT that, that those who are more comfortable with advanced driver assistance systems today are much more comfortable with the context of automation tomorrow. So how do we get people to begin to trust the technology that's in their car today? That means we need to do a better job of delivering technology. People are leveraging to the fullest extent. So what are some of the lessons for the OEMs and tier ones out there and what they should do to actually achieve that? It's a very interesting point, Gabby. And I think one of the key lessons comes from what I think is, is, is a tagline of one of the world's OEMs most effectively. Um, Honda in particular, this company I've always been fascinated with, seems to under-promise and over-deliver more frequently in their technology packages and vehicles and sales and marketing packages than other manufacturers. So when your expectations are set low and the technologies perform above that, our perceptions of the future are much brighter. Now, I know that's very contrary to how marketing wants to work, but if we want to build trust, we need to be excited and delighted beyond expectations. And when we want to compete at the marketing of technologies, we try to inflate expectations to a higher degree. And I think this is a very difficult point for this industry as it really moves forward in a very critical moment from an industry that has its roots in powertrain and bending sheet metal to an industry that's going to be fueled by electrons and software, where our ability to change the experience in the vehicle at the flip of a switch or at the download of an update is going to be feasible. But if we change things before we understand what's going on around us or move things from a mental model that I'm familiar with, understanding something different, our trust in a technology will wait. Expectations are key to enhancing trust. You made an interesting point just now in that these systems need to excite and delight people. You, of course, are a driver yourself. Are there any systems in any of the vehicles you've driven that have excited and delighted you? I think that all of the level two partially automated driving systems out there are exciting. GM Super Cruise is, is a system I'm most enamored with because I think it really brings together driver monitoring in its first real broad commercial deployment um, with an automation package in, in a really interesting driver attention management system where the, the technology is really trying to shape the driver's behavior in a way that, that allows the driver hopefully to have the skills to recover if the automation was to fail. 
And I like that system because in, in some sense, there's lots of times that we want to drive. In a weekend, going out to the suburbs, driving down Route 1 in California. There's other times that, you know what, I really don't want to drive right now, sitting in stop and go traffic on a long highway trip. And I think it's really that functional decision of when we want to drive and when we don't want to drive. In essence, when do I want my hands on the wheel? Because this experience is something so in tune with the human psyche and the U.S. marketplace. And when do I really want the support of AI? And that functional decision, I think, is more critical to the future of this industry than anybody is giving it credit for today. So organizations out there that are really developing technology that aims to fuse together what humans are good at and what machines are good at most effectively, I think, are going to win this future race. Because what I'm looking for is a system that knows a lot about what's going on around me, knows something about me, and fuses those two pieces together to really help personalize the technology to what I need now. So you know what? When there is a lot of stop-and-go traffic out there, having the automation seamlessly come in to support me. When I'm driving down Route 1, maybe for me, that's not where I want the help. For others, it may be personalizing that experience. And that's where the future of driver monitoring will be so critical as the glue to put brings those two pieces together. It's an interesting notion because we hear so much about AI taking over from humans and doing everything for us. And what you describe is really more a technology partnership, where the system is responsive to our needs when it needs to be and allows to take over for us when we want it to. And it's certainly not a matter of AI taking over altogether. So no. I love that nuanced perspective. And I think it's really in, in the context of AI-assisted life as opposed to AI replacing us in a lot of what we do. Um, I think one of the reasons, you know, the smartphone revolution has been so strong and what is one of those few technologies that really was a revolution versus an evolution is that you had, you know, the basics of AI designed to assist us, to do lots of things that help us. Smartphone's not trying to replace anything we didn't do before. It just brings things a lot closer to our fingertips with the assistance of AI. And if we look to the future, sure, there are systems where AI is going to dominate and take over from human skill because computers do do things better than humans in some cases. But I think the art of the future experience becomes using AI to assist us, help us personalize from medicine to infotainment and on to the vehicle. Brian, if you had one takeaway for the audience listening today, what would you like to tell us? So I think that in the world where I come from, looking at driver behavior for over 20 years and watching the evolution of, of distraction on our roads, in the undertreated health crisis globally of, of fatalities, I think if there's one thing we need to rise up as a species and help each other make better decisions. Well, driver monitoring is the glue that may bring things together long term. Your passengers your kids, your colleagues can perform a lot of those functions today. We need to help encourage each other to make better societal decisions in what we do and where we do it, whether it's in the car, 
connecting with the smartphone, leveraging the automation systems, or walking down the sidewalk, paying attention to those around us, and using the power that we have to make better decisions for ourselves and those around us. One last question we ask all of our guests. If your car could do one thing in the future to make your life a little easier, what would you want that to be? At some point in the future, I wish tomorrow, but it's probably 20 or 30 or maybe even 50 years out there. After work on Friday, I want to get in my car and it drops me up in the mountains two hours later, preferably an hour, for a ski weekend when I don't have to touch the wheel and I can take a nap on the way. Right there with you. I think we would all love that. And Brian Niemer, thank you so much for talking with us today. It's a pleasure having you. Thank you. Brian's perspective on understanding and preventing fatalities due to driver distraction was fascinating, especially as he discussed his work at MIT. While companies like Affectiva are working to enable driver monitoring systems with AI to make roads safer, I left Brian's point on how we need to make better societal decisions in terms of paying attention to our surroundings. From driving a car to crossing the street, it only makes sense that better awareness and engagement can help save lives. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Remember to subscribe to Affectiva's Human Perception AI podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts for new episodes. We are also on social media, so please reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram at Affectiva to share any feedback you have on the show and weigh in on the discussion using hashtag Affectiva Podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening.